Uh, good morning, everyone. So good to be with you today. Uh, once you've given, grab your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. If you're watching online, thank you for being with us today. If you'd like to be a part of our uh, worship service and as we give today, you can do that. There should be a uh, place there where you can do that. Thank you for choosing to be with us this, this morning. Uh, we have people watching from all over the nation and the world uh, every week uh, that this is their church home. They just can't get here. And uh, so we're happy to welcome you here this morning. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Ephesians 2, verse 1. If you're there... Can you say amen? amen? And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. We, we used to be dead, but through the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are now alive. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Father, I thank you for your presence here today. Thank you that you've chosen to touch us and be with us and heal us and uh, renew us and refresh us to give us joy and hope and peace and happiness and blessings. And, and uh, you, you just you want to give us life and life more abundantly. Lord, I, I'm asking you to open our hearts, our minds and our spirits to hear your word and be challenged uh, today, Lord God. I, I thank you that you would be with me. Allow my words to not be mere wor words of man's wisdom, but lace them with the power of the Holy Spirit and the demonstration of your son, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 This is a wonderful scripture that, that Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. And he's, he's given this contrast in, uh, between who uh, we are after Jesus and who we were before Jesus. And, and he's, he's he is telling them, hey, take a look at who you used to be. Take a look and remind yourself of, of what you used to look like, how you used to act, how you used to function, uh, what your life used to be and what it is now. It's as if he was saying to us, take a look through some old photographs of yourself. That's a little scary, isn't it? <laughs> uh, I went through and I wanted to pull out some old photographs today. I found a few I want to show you of, of, of myself and kind of some of my family and kind of who we used to be and uh, have a little laughs because some of them are kind of funny. And uh, I, I, all the good ones, though, uh, are all in storage. I couldn't find them. So these are just kind of some okay ones. So you'll just have to bear with me. And we all have good old photographs, right? Um, my uh, my grandma and I. This might still be hanging in her house, but for all of my life growing up, she had a picture of all of her and her sisters, and there was like a bunch of them, and uh, they were all lined up, and they were they were um, lined up going to church, and uh, they had in those days you, they couldn't cut their hair at all, uh, ladies. You couldn't cut your hair, and so you know, they would put it up in a bun, and they would put like a coffee pot on top of your head and wrap the hair around it, and so they all are standing there in a line, and they all look like real versions of Marge Simpson. I'm not, I'm not kidding. It's like this high up the top of their head. And they're like, hey, it's, uh, you know, some of those photographs we have. You know, let me show you a couple of them. This is the first one. This is, uh, uh, I believe this is me and my cousin. That's my grandmother there on my dad's side. And we are knocked out. That's me in the uh, overalls there. Uh, you know, in case you don't know this about me, I'm from the country. And I like it that way. And, um, and so overalls were a necessary part of life. I mean, you know, you got diapers and overall, at a, at a, you know, when you were born. And so uh, next picture here 
is uh, this got a little older, and uh, this picture is hanging in my parents' house. And every time somebody comes over uh, new for the first time and takes a tour, they see this picture and they have to kid me about it. If you look in the back, it's kind of hard to see in the detail in this picture because it's so far away. But you'll actually see I'm wearing a black vest with gold flowered embroidery on it. And uh, I assure you I didn't pick that out. Picture days in my household were wars. Uh, they were not rumors of wars, they were wars. I mean, there was, there was crying and gnashing of teeth and the whole deal. It was a, it was a mess. Uh, but, but, you know, this was... Uh, next picture here. Uh, here's another picture. That's my dad there in the red vest. And, uh, and Pastor Chris was saying, did I, did I make fun of him? Well, what actually happened was Pastor Lindsay said in the first service uh, that Bishop had loaned him that, uh, that vest for this morning. <laughs> And so I did tie into it and, and, uh, and, uh, and picked up her joke there. But uh, you can see uh, that's me peeking around the back of him there. And once again, I'm wearing a vest. Now, the deal was I hated wearing suits and coats. And I wasn't allowed to wear jeans or anything like that to church in, in those days. That would be like a sin for, for my family to go to church without, a, you know, without the, the best that you absolutely had and uh, full suit and deal. And so I, we made this agreement. I could wear a vest. And I hate vests today. I never. My wife's always like, "You need to wear this vest." I'm like, "I'm not wearing that vest." And so, uh, maybe this is why it, was, it messed me up when I was a kid. All right, let's let's keep going a little further. Here is a, a trip that me. This is me and Pastor Neil. Uh, we went to Alaska, went whitewater rafting, rafting uh, down the Denali River up there. The Denali River is freezing cold. Literally, it is below freezing. Uh, and if you fall in without one of these suits, you have like two or three minutes before you get hypothermia. Uh, if you have one of these duck suits on, then uh, you get like a whole 20 minutes before you have hypothermia and die in the, in the river. And so, you know, this, this bought us 18 minutes there. It was well worth the, the humiliation. Uh, uh, lots of fun though. I, I want the picture I wanted to show you. I have a picture of me and my friend and we are literally in the Arctic ocean swimming in the Arctic ocean. And it's so cold that you know, you know how when it's cold and you suck everything up and you, you can't hardly breathe. You know, I mean, I'm telling you, you can like see my intestines. I'm sucked up so much, you know, and, uh, I, I, the, the deal was the Arctic ocean had unfroze or, or had, had been, they were driving cars across it one month before we got there. And two weeks before we got there, it had just unfrozen so they could drive uh, boats on it. And so we decided to go swimming in the Arctic Ocean. At the time, this seemed like a wonderful idea. I was 16 years old. It was like, this is a, just a brilliant idea. And uh, you say, well, why, Pastor Randall? Well, even at that time, I was preparing future sermon illustrations. And so... No, no, really, in all truth, uh, I thought, man, who can say they swam in the Arctic Ocean? I want to be that guy. But over the course of the years, I've realized every time I say, man, who can say they want to swim in the Arctic Ocean? And it, nobody says that. And then I realized it's because nobody wants to swim in the Arctic Ocean. Uh, but, you know, that's my story. So next picture. Uh, uh, here is one of Lindsay and I's wedding pictures. And the, and the thought that goes through my head when I see, I was looking through these pictures uh, was, man, what was she thinking when she married me? I mean, here is this beautiful woman. And I'm, I mean, I look like a kid in my wedding pictures. And I'm not the best looking guy in the whole world. And, and she's just unreal beautiful. But I want to show you something. Uh, <laughs> Uh, 
I want to show you this, uh, a close-up on this picture, because I want to see something about this picture. Uh, if you notice right here, this is, we're about to cut, this is the groom's cake. You know, you have the, the bride's cake and the groom's cake and all that stuff. So this is my cake. It was supposed to be covered with strawberries and chocolate-covered strawberries. If you'll notice, there are three strawberries left on the cake, because there was a kid hiding under the table, eating them all off. All right, next picture. Uh, so here is uh, the day Lindsay and I brought uh, Kennedy home from the hospital. Look at me, man. I'm like 12. <laughs> I am dead serious when I tell you this. Someone should go to jail for sending that kid home with me. I didn't know what I was doing, man. I was, like, they, should, they should not have been allowed to send a baby home with me. I was not prepared. I'm smiling on the inside. I am losing my mind. All right. Uh, Next picture. This is at Kennedy's one-year-old birthday here. And uh, there's my dad, another one of his wonderful shirt choices. He's, he's got a big uh, old Chevy truck on the front of it, driving through the woods. I don't know why that was a good idea. but um, So this is me, and that's me holding Kennedy. We're riding a horse. And, and uh, fun times. If you'll notice there, my head is shaved. And this is one of my more, like, why did you do that uh, type moments. Well, I'll tell you why. This one has a real reason. Came up with this brilliant idea. We needed to raise some money. I was, I was a youth pastor at the time. We needed to raise some money. So we said, if in one month, if, if this youth ministry in the offering can raise $500 in one month, you can shave my head at the end the last Wednesday night. Well, we go into the last Wednesday night. We're like $120 away. I'm like, there's no way, man. A good, a good youth offering in those days was about 18 bucks. And so I'm like, there's no way we're going to have that much. Well, we got about $20 or so. We're about $100 away. And Pastor Brandon's brother, Mark, walks in. And uh, as, as we're, I'm like, yes, we're not going to make it. And he walks in and stops the service. He said, how far away are you? And he pulls out of his pocket a wad of money in one hand and clippers in the other. And I was like, well, we're about $100 away. Boom, 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 boom. And he shaved my head right there. <laughs> My wife kind of liked it, I think, because she let me leave it like that for a little while. It was very enjoyable. Saved a lot of time. I got like 12 extra minutes of sleeping in the morning because I didn't have to fix my hair. It was wonderful. All right. Uh, is that all of them? I got one more. That's it. Okay. All right. All right. There's a few pictures of, of my life. I'll, I'll, I'll save some good ones for later when I can dig them out of storage. Um, but, you know, looking back on old pictures does a few things to us. It reminds us who we used to be says, man, do you remember when? Right? Have you ever had those moments? You ever look through the, the old photo albums and you say, man, remember when we did this? Remember when we did that? Remember when I wore that? Wow, that was a bad decision. Things you could take back in your life. Number 342. Uh, you know, all these things. And it reminds us who we used to be. This is what Paul is saying to us. Sometimes you got to look back at who you used to be. Where you came from. When, when you were, you know, back then. And when you look at who you used to be, it also helps us to remind us of what we wanted to be when we were there. Think back to when you were in middle school or junior high or elementary school or high school, maybe even college, and you had these grand dreams of all the things you wanted to be and do in your life, 
Right? You, 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 you wanted everything to be perfect and go just your way. And, and uh, you know, it looked very simple in, in the college dorm room, dreaming about making millions, marrying a fashion model, having the big house, the boat, the fancy car, the kid growing up to be the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, it was all so simple. How many of you remember that? When life was just, I'm going to be an astronaut. You ask kids where they want to be when they're in elementary school, an astronaut, a doctor, a lawyer, the president, uh, a police officer, a fireman, you know, uh, uh, it, it, but very often, not, not very often did we say, I want to be exactly what we turned out to be in life. And it's not that life is bad all the time, but sometimes looking back reminds us of where we wanted to go and will help us get back on track for getting there. Because we get caught up in, the, in, the, in life and, and the things that come along and the struggles and the attempts at perfection. Uh, you know, uh, life is like a Rubik's Cube with millions of possibilities changing all the time. And we're trying to just get it all perfect, but it leads to frustrations. And just when you get one side right, the other side's wrong, and you don't know how to fix that. How many of you know life can throw you some twists and turns? As a matter of fact, James said it like this. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. He didn't say, if everything is going wonderful, but for some weird reason you happen to face a trial, consider it joy. No, no, no. He said, when it happens, because it's going to happen. One of the uh, attempts of the enemy is to get us out from uh, off the course of where God wants us to go. Uh, on the verse that Pastor Chris read just a few moments ago, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. He has this plan. He has this road marked out, but we have a tendency to get off of it. Not because we're trying to. We just get off or we get stuck along the way. I, I want to talk to you for just a moment. My title today is simply this, From There to Here to Where. From there to here to where. Because Ephesians chapter 2, right here in these first couple of verses, it's a look in the mirror. It's a look in the rearview mirror to help us uh, see what life was like before Christ. Sometimes we get this in our mind that when we come to Jesus, everything was suddenly going to be perfect. Our problems were going to go away. Just wonderfully, everything was going to be great. Our, our marriage was going to be turned around in just a moment. Our, 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 we were suddenly going to get a raise and a promotion that we didn't deserve or didn't expect. And all of our financial issues are going to be taken care of. And we were just going to be floating around uh, like we're in this uh, strawberry shortcake cartoon. And we're just having a good time. And everybody's happy and nobody fights. And we're just living the dream. But that ain't what happens. Life comes along. It's trying to beat you down, trying to knock you down, and trying to pull you back. And not everybody is as happy as you are that you're making progress in your life. Not everybody is happy that your marriage is growing. Not everybody is happy that, that you are happy and have peace and have joy in your life. They don't want that. So they're yanking you back. And the enemy is setting you up for destruction time and time and time again. And if we're not careful, we can find our place where we feel stuck. And we say, well, I thought I was going to be here, but I'm, I'm only here. And we feel like we're stuck in this place and we're not getting anywhere. And here is what Paul is saying. Stop every now and then and look at who you used to be before the power of God came into your life, before the grace of Jesus came into your life. Look at who you used to be and compare it to who you are and ask yourself, am I better off today? 
Not is everything perfect. Not is everything just like I want it to be. Not am I where I want to be and am I good. Okay, I've made it. I can stop right here. No, no, no. That's not the question. The question just simply is, in comparison to where I was before Jesus, am I better off today? And that's what Paul is saying. Is life better with Jesus or was life better without Jesus? I'd venture to say that every time I've asked this question of my life and most people's life that have, that have submitted their lives to the will of God, even though they may not be where they want to go, here is better than there. They just haven't gotten to their future yet. So sometimes it's important to ask these questions. Am I better now? Am I happier now? Am I more fulfilled now? Is my life better? Is, more, is there more peace? Is, is there more joy in my life than there was before? Paul says these words. Uh, he, he says, back then, uh, back then before Jesus, you walked according to the course of this world. Let, let's break down this verse for just a moment. Look, take a look at the Greek and what he's actually saying because there's so much packed into this. He says, you once or, or back then. Uh, back before the grace of God touched you, you walked according to the cor- course of this world. You walked is two words put together, peripateo in the Greek. And it means this. You walked around habitually in one general area all the time. It implies that you were walking in a, on, a, on a path from which you could not deviate, that you were trapped and bound to walk it again and again and again. You're, you're like, a, like, a, like a, a race car on a NASCAR track. You're going in a circle and you can't get off. You're just going and going and going and going and going. You're bound there. You're forced to be there. Because the word according to portrays something that is forceful or dominating. So something is forcing you to stay there. You couldn't get off because something was controlling you. What was controlling you? You were being controlled by the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air. Course is a specific allotted period of time such as an age, a specific era, or a generation. So there's, there's the, the times are causing you to stay there. It denotes the influence of a particular generation or a period of time like a decade or a century. For instance, uh, it denotes the spirit of an age. In fact, in Greek literature, these same words were used to translate it the spirit of the age, the spirit of an age. So when you think back like to the 1920s, uh, you may remember this. They were called the Roaring Twenties. Remember that? Nod your head if you remember that. If you, okay. Uh, if you think back to the 1960s and the 1970s, these were often uh, looked at as a time of rebellion in American history because of the, the free use of drugs and, and the free sex and the, and the rebellion and the, and the outcry against the Vietnam War. It was looked as a time and a season of rebellion. It was the spirit of the age. Are you with me? Um, So then he uses this word, the the world, which is cosmos, but it doesn't necessarily just mean the earth. It depicts something that is fashioned or ordered. In this verse, verse specifically, it denotes systems or institutions in society, such as fashion or education or entertainment. So Paul is painting a picture here of people who have no standard like God's word by which to live Therefore, they are guided by the constantly changing ethics and whims of the times. 
You're just constantly changing by the ethics and the whims of the time. You're just moving with them. Wherever they take you, that's where you're going. Whatever the world says is good, that's what I'm going to do. Whatever the world says is cool, that's what I'm going to do. This is why we have to be very careful to not let our lives be led and dominated by these areas, but by the Word of God. The Word of God is our standard. Just because Beyonce does it does not mean it's okay by the word of God. Why? Because it's all according to the prince of the power of the air. Who is that? Who is the prince of the power of the air? That is Satan. You have to understand, Satan has a scope of authority here on the earth. And for, for centuries... Uh, Christians have been fighting to fighting against the prince of the power of the air to take back dominion of this earth that we were meant to have in the garden, but we gave away because we sinned. And so now we're fighting to get it back, but the enemy still has a, an element of dominion and authority. So we're fighting against the prince of the power of the air. So when you look at this, and this is my words, how, how you could read this, uh, expounding on it just a little bit. Don't you remember what you used to be like? Why? Back then you habitually walked around trapped and unable to get off the track you were stuck on, totally unaware that you were being dominated and manipulated by the constantly fluctuating thinking of the day, by the whims of the times, and by whatever society was giving its approval to at that moment. We were stuck. And we couldn't get out. We let the world determine our values. And sometimes the world's values may look like they line up with the word of God. But how they arrive at those values doesn't. For instance, the world may value happiness and joy. But it places how you get that by things and people. Outside influences that are ever-changing. They're variables. And if my stuff changes, then my joy and my peace and my happiness changes. But that's not the way the, God, the Word of God says we must live. Uh, the, the Bible says or teaches that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if He is never changing. He is not a variable. He is a constant. So if we allow our peace and our joy and our happiness to come from God, to come from within, then no matter whatever happens around us, we don't, we don't lose our peace and our joy because the Bible says in the presence of the Lord there is fullness of joy. So when Jesus and when God and the Holy Spirit is in us, there's always joy no matter what is happening around us. There's happiness, there's peace, there's good things because we're trusting in God. And so it's not that the world is necessarily bad in saying we want you to be happy. It's just the route to get there is different. So it could be, it could be a number of things. So here's the truth. We can get off of the treadmill that we call life and we can live for something bigger and greater than we ever dreamed possible, free from the sin, free from the dominion of the course of the world that's causing us to just do this same thing. And wherever they tell us to go, that's what we're going to do. We can get free from that. You were made for, to get from there to here and to go somewhere. So where is here, and, and are we getting anywhere in life? Are we making uh, any progress? Uh, is my life moving? Is it producing anything? Am I getting anywhere, or am I stuck? It's a question I want you to ask of your life today as we go through this sermon. Am I getting anywhere in my life, or am I stuck? Am I producing anything, or am I just stuck? Luke chapter 13, verse 6. It's a parable, short parable that Jesus gives us, just three verses, four verses. Uh, he says... 
Uh, he also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also. Give me one more year until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well. But if not, after that you can cut it down. Uh, let's take a look at this. We're asking these questions. Is my life making progress? Am I producing? Am I moving forward? Or am I stuck? So Jesus says, here's the parable. There was a fig tree planted in a vineyard. Now, the thing about fig trees, uh, a couple of things important to this story. Is first of all, the ground was incredibly valuable and incredibly important in Israel in those days. And you couldn't afford to have a tree that wasn't producing, taking up space, uh, taking up room, uh, taking water, taking time from the, 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 the uh, gardener. You, you had to get it out. So if it wasn't producing, it had to go. The ground was valuable. Okay? And here's what would happen. In the life of a fig tree... You plant a fig tree, and for the first three years, it either didn't produce any fruit, or if it produced it, it was probably bad, so you would throw it all out. So when you planted a fig tree, you already knew the first three years, I'm not going to get anything out of it. The fourth year is the first year that's gonna, it's going to produce anything or anything of use. And so it's going to produce good fruit in the fourth year. The problem with that is, the fourth year belonged to the Lord. And so they would take those first fruits and they would bring them to the house of God and they belonged to, the, to God. They wouldn't use them for themselves. So now, you're, imagine you own this vineyard. This is your fig tree. This is your livelihood. For it needs to produce fruit so that you can take it to the market and sell it or trade it or whatever you need to do in order to live. Okay? Four years, you plant it and water it and feed it and fertilize it and miracle grow it and, and all those things. And you don't get any fruit. But that's not even what the parable is talking about. Three years after that, seven years after the, the gardener had planted this tree... He's come back. He knew he wasn't going to get anything the first four years. But he came back the fifth year, and it hadn't produced anything. So he came back the sixth year, and it still hadn't produced anything. And he came back the seventh year, three years. This thing is supposed to be producing for me. But it's not producing. It's stuck. It's not doing anything. It's just taking up ground. It's just taking up space. And he says, cut it down. It's got to go. Gardner says, whoa, 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 just, just hold on a second. You don't understand, man. I have babied this tree, and I have cared for this tree, and I've brought it along slowly, and I know that it hasn't produced like it was supposed to. I know that you're expecting things from it, and, and, and I understand that. You've got to make money. You've got to earn a living. You've got to get things done. It's got to produce. It's got to make something happen. But will you just give me one more year? Just, just give me one more year. Man, I'm going to dig around this thing. I'm going to expose the dirt underneath it and, and, and get some life going down there. I, I'm going to trim this thing and prune this thing. And I, I'm going to fertilize it. Just give me one more year. And if it doesn't produce, then you can cut it down. But let's just give it one more year. In this story, there are, um, the... 
the vineyard owner is represented, it, it, representing God. So God comes in and, and, he's, and he's looking at the fig tree or he's looking at our lives and he's saying, man, you've been saved, you've been delivered, you've been set free. I gave you gifts, I gave you talents, I gave you anointing, I filled you with the Holy Spirit. I did all these things, but years later, year after year after year after year, you're not producing you're not growing. You're not moving forward. Nothing is happening in your life. You are just stuck. But Jesus, the keeper of the garden, steps in and he says, wait, wait, wait. Give him just another time. Just give him one more year. Just give him a little more time. Let me work with him a little bit. Let, let me dig around a little bit. Let me, let me fertilize him a little bit. Let me, let me spend some time with him. I, I, believe, I can, believe I can help them. If, if, if this tree will let me, I believe I can help it. And that's what he's saying in our lives. You feel stuck? Feel like you're not going anywhere? Jesus steps in as our intermediary, and he says, let's give them a little more time. Let's give them a little more grace. Yes, they haven't done everything they had planned to do or everything you had wanted them to do. God, life happened. Things got in the way. They meant to. It was good intentions, but it didn't happen but Jesus steps in and says give us a little more time let me work with him aren't you glad that Jesus stepped in with grace and so that's what's happening here give us a little more time uh, I ask this question when I get stuck when I'm don't feel like I'm going anywhere and nothing is happening and I'm I'm not making any progress I'm just here I'm not producing I'm not feeling any, any emotion in my life. I ask, why am I not producing? Why am I not producing? I'm going to give you today three possible reasons that you may not be producing in your life. Three possible reasons. These are some of the things that I look at when I feel like I'm not producing when I'm stuck. Okay, Have you ever, has anybody ever felt stuck before? Okay, I'm not just preaching to the chairs. Okay, three reasons that I may not be producing. Number one, discipline doesn't just happen. Jesus said uh, in his great commission, go and make disciples uh, of all nations. Go and make disciples. What is the root word of discipline? Disciples. Okay, so being a disciple involves discipline. We have to have discipline in our lives. We have to be able to say no to some things and yes to the right things. We have to be able to push certain things away and do this and not that. We have to have discipline. But the problem is discipline is hard and it feels a lot like work. This is, this is true on the spiritual side. When it's time to, when we need, we need to make time to pray. Uh, and we need to, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to make time to pray. And then once you get there, try not to fall asleep or get too distracted. Can I get an amen if you've ever fallen asleep in prayer time? <laughs> when I was on some of those mission trips to Alaska, I was telling you about, we had a quiet time for one hour every day, and they would always make us do it in the morning, it seemed like, and I'm not a morning person, and you know, I've gotten like three hours of sleep the night before, and you're going to tell me, go in a quiet place, totally by yourself, for one hour and pray. Like, yeah, right, man, I'm 16 years old, I'm going straight to sleep. You say, Pastor, I, it's hard to fast, I get really hungry. It takes discipline, that's the point. But it's more than just spiritual. What have I done to move my life forward? What, what, if, what kind of disciplines have I set in my life? You're saying, Lord, give me a wife. I, I want to be married. Give me a wife. And listen, I believe that God is a miracle-working God. There's only so much you can, He can do for you if you only shower once a week. I mean, I believe in miracles. He can grow arms and legs and heal cancer, but I mean, listen... 
Lord, give me a raise and a promotion, but we're constantly late to work, taking sick days, bouncing from job to job to job to job, always having excuses, uh, never being there, never being having solutions, always coming up with problems and never having any answers, and yet we're saying, God, give me a raise and a bonus and a promotion. Okay? Lord, uh, get me out of debt, but we're steadily running up our credit card. We bought those new Jimmy Choo shoes because, well, Pastor, they were on sale and I just matched so well. I had to have them. It was an investment. You don't understand. What have you really done to move your life forward? Have you, have you educated yourself? Have you gone the extra mile? Have you, have you read your word? Have you been faithful to church? And when you got there, were you listening and applying, applying what you learned from the word of God? What have you really done? Have you said no to anything lately? Have you prayed lately? I, I want to issue today a 30-minute a challenge to you for the next 30 days. 30 minutes for the next 30 days. Here's what I want you to do. I'm challenging every person in, in Triumph Beaumont to, to spend 30 minutes every day praying and reading your word. Just 30 minutes. If Pastor Ryan, I'm not ready to do an hour. No problem. I can't do four hours. No problem. Neither can I. 30 minutes. That's all, that's all I'm saying. It's 30. It can be in the morning. It can be at night. It can be on your lunch hour. Whatever you need to do, 30 minutes. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to spend the first 15 minutes just kind of worshiping, praying, whatever you, want to, whatever you need to do. And the last 15 minutes, I want you to open up to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is in the Old Testament. And um, look it up in your table of contents if you don't know where it is. And uh, Proverbs, go, start with chapter 1. And every day I want you to read a new chapter. Here's all I want you to do. It's very simple. Read the chapter out loud two times. Don't try to rush. Just read it. Don't, don't try to, uh, you know, figure out everything he's saying. Just read it. Proverbs was written by, by an incredibly, incredibly wise man. Okay? Just read it out loud two times. After you're done, I just want you to sit there and meditate for just a few moments. And what God's going to do is he's going to bring one of those scriptures to light for you. And, th and whatever's going on in your life, wherever you are, whatever, whatever comes out of it, I just want you to write down in a journal or somewhere five to seven sentences of what that scripture is saying to you, what it means to you. Maybe, God's something, maybe it's something God's saying to you. Maybe it's things you want to do. Okay, this is what the scripture's saying, and this is where I am. I need to do this. Just write a few sentences, five to seven. It's not a lot. And uh, just write a few sentences of what God is saying to you about that scripture. You do that every day for 30 days. You will grow in your knowledge of the word of God. You will grow in your, in your communion with the Holy Spirit. You'll feel closer to God. And you will gain wisdom because there is so much wisdom wrapped up in the book of Proverbs. We could, I couldn't cover it all in, in, in a multitude of sermons. It's, it's so much in there. If you'll just read and allow God to speak to you, he'll do that. And you will find yourself moving out of ruts if you will apply it to your life. How many of you would be willing to take this 30-day challenge? 30 minutes a day for, thir for 30 days. Uh, I believe that if you will do this, God will touch your life. Gain some discipline. Discipline isn't easy. Uh, it doesn't just happen. You have to actually do it. All right. Number two. Second thing I learned uh, that I look at is, is that faith is harder than it looks. Hebrews chapter 11, chapter 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Here's the truth. Uh, if you don't have faith in your life, you cannot please God. So if you're looking at your life right now and there is not at least one area of your life that is requiring faith, you are not pleasing God today. Every day, 
I need to be, I need faith in some area of my life. Because I want to please God. I really do. I want to please Him for all He's done for me, all He means to me, uh, all He's going to do for me, all that. I want to please God. And so I, it requires faith in my life. But faith isn't easy. Uh, because, you know, um, stepping out by faith requires us to step out without knowing where our foot will land. It requires trust. We talked about this a little bit on Wednesday night. We were talking about nine different types of prayer. One of them was the prayer of consecration. It requires trust. It was the prayer when Jesus said, uh, Lord, if it be your will, take this cup and let it pass from me. I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to go through the whipping post. I don't want to go through the pain that's about to happen. But then he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And, and, and here is the principle. It's a prayer of faith that says, God, I, I'm trusting in you. Pain was coming for Jesus. Torture was coming for Jesus. But through it all, he had faith. Faith that God would raise him up and bring him through. Faith is difficult in our lives. But getting to where God wants you to go will require faith from you. If you could do it without faith, you could do it without God. And if you could do it without God, then it's not his plan according to Jeremiah 29 11. He has a plan for you. He wants to be involved in it. It's not that anything else might not be good, but his plan is bigger. It's broader. It's better. It's, it's filled with more of him and more of the stuff you want. But you've got to have faith to get there. Faith is harder than it looks. Uh, number three, the flesh is strong. The flesh is strong. Uh, I, I want to take you to one of my favorite passages of scripture Romans chapter 7 uh, this is the great apostle Paul this is a guy who wrote two-thirds in the New Testament this is a guy who stood down Peter and 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 helped us get our doctrine right and man he, he he's a great great man but he writes in Romans chapter 7 verse 15 for what I am doing I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice, but what I hate, that I do. I love this. He says, for what I'm doing, I do not understand. Have you ever been in that moment where you're doing something, somebody says, what are you doing? You go, man, I don't even know what I'm doing right now. I don't, I don't, I don't even know. Uh, a few years ago, I had some work done on my teeth and uh, had a bunch of surgery. And I was, I was at the dentist's office from like 9 in the morning till almost 4 o'clock in the afternoon, knocked out. And I, they were doing stuff. I didn't even know what was going on. I was just out there. And I got really, really sick from it. I mean, really, really bad sick. And when I got home, the doctor had to come and help me. And I was passing out and having seizures. And it was just a bad, bad deal. Finally, uh, they told me not to get out of bed, but I had to go to the restroom. I couldn't take it anymore. So I, I got up. And I couldn't get any help. I didn't know where everybody was. So I went into the restroom, and uh, I, 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 was, I made it over to where the toilet was. And above it, there was this big uh, towel cabinet. You, you know how you have a towel cabinet above the, above the toilet area? And I, I start passing out. And this is common in my life, so don't, don't worry. It's just a, it, just, it just is. I just pass out for random reasons. And so I'm passing out, and I remember... Like I'm banging my head because I'm, I'm falling. You know, as you pass it out, you're standing up, you're going to fall. So I'm hitting my head and then my body would fight back trying to stand. So I'm like, I would like stand up and then I would fall again. I'm cracking my head against this thing and boom. And so my wife hears this thump going on and she comes running in the restroom and she says, Randon, what are you doing? And I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I don't even know how I got here. I don't know what's, I don't know what's going on. My head's hurting and I'm, I don't Why am I headbutting this cabinet? I mean, you know, we have those, and this is what Paul's talking about. You have these times of, man, I'm doing stuff. 
I don't even understand. It don't make no sense what I'm doing right now. And he goes on to say, for what I will to do, that I don't practice. But what I hate, that's what I end up doing. I wanted to do this good thing. No, no, I didn't do that. <laughs> I hate this over here. I did, the, I did it, though. I, I did. I, I did it, and I hate it, and I hate myself for it, and I, but I still did it. I can't help it. But, but he, has, he has an out right here. Watch. He's going he's gonna, to, yeah. But now it is no longer I who do it. It's not me, but it's the sin that dwells in me. <laughs> Don't, don't blame me. I don't want to do it. But it's the sin, it's the flesh that dwells in me, and that's why I'm doing it. Um, I don't drink a lot of caffeine in my life. I don't take a lot of caffeine in. So when I get caffeine, I get wound up. I mean, I am ready to go. I'm ready to do something. I'm ready to, like, let's make something happen. You know, I talk really fast and really, really strong. I have to, like, you know, I'm loud, and I'm just dumb. I'm like, ah, so we get in the car the other day. My wife and I were about to go to Houston, and she's totally chilled. She's ready to relax and take a nap, and she's just, you know, laid back and got her magazine and just, ah, da 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 da. Everything is good and just happy and wonderful. And I had just drank some caffeine or taken some caffeine, and I am just bouncing off the walls, and I'm fidgeting with everything and moving and putting my headphones on and taking my headphones off and you know playing the drums on everything, including her. And she's just like, "What is wrong with you?" I'm like, "Don't blame me. I had some caffeine." it's not me it's the caffeine in me and that's what Paul is saying it's not me it's the sin in me that's the apostle Paul man that's the apostle Paul next verse for I know that in me that is in my flesh nothing good dwells for to will is present with me but how to perform what is good I do not find I know what's good but I can't figure out how to do it For the good that I will to do, I don't do that. But the evil that I will not to do, that I practice. I'm supposed to be on a diet right now. I'm supposed to be going to the gym every day and working out. Uh, (laughs) Uh-oh is right. Um, Here's the deal. I get up in the mornings. I pack my gym clothes. I'm gonna, I, I will to do this thing, right? So I, I pack my gym clothes. I've got my bag. I pack my lunch, my healthy, good, you know, low-calorie, low-carb lunch, and I put it all in the truck, and I come to work, and I'm going to go on my lunch break, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat my own lunch, and then I'm going to, uh, I, I'm gonna go to the gym and all that stuff, and it's, I, I will to do good. But, you know... Something happens, and my, my workout partner, I'm not going to call his name today, he, he cancels on me, and, and then I'm, you know, I'm sitting there, and I'm, you know, looking at the candy on my desk, and, and I don't want it. I don't even like that kind of candy. I hate it, actually. I'm not even a candy eater, but it's there, and it's staring at me, and that, that which I will to do, I end up not going to the gym. And the problem is, not only do I not end up going to the gym, but I don't even eat the good lunch that I brought. I'll save it for tomorrow. I'm going to put it in the refrigerator back here. It'll be there tomorrow. And I end up at Casole eating a dessert ole. And that which I will to do, I don't do. The good that I was going to do to help, I don't do. And I end up doing that which I didn't want to do anyway. And all the good, I just say, listen, it's the flesh, man. I'm Lindsay says, did you go to the gym today? No, don't blame me. It was the flesh. It was the sin in me. It was too strong today. I couldn't help it. It was too strong. That's what Paul is saying about our lives. And, and I'm, 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 I'm joking to some degree about, about my workout regimen. Uh, but the truth is, in life, we're trying to do the right thing. 
We want to move forward. We want to do the good thing. We want to pray more. We want to go to church. We want to fast. We want to study. We want to be disciplined. We want to say no to sin. We want to say no to the flesh. We want to do all those things. But it's, it's hard, man, because the flesh is strong. Not your head at me if you know your flesh is strong. Here's some good news. In the next chapter, and just, just a few verses later, uh, the same discourse that Paul is giving us here, uh, he says in chapter 8, There is therefore no condemnation to those who are, in, who are in Christ Jesus. Here's the good news. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So here's the deal. I just got to quit walking according to the flesh, and I got to walk according to the Spirit. Seems very simple. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So so. Jesus came so I could be free from all this. I don't have to do that which what I will not to do, but I can actually do that which I will to do. <laughs> Verse 5. For those who live, because how, how does this actually work? Because, you know, I say, okay, Jesus, that's wonderful, but the flesh is still strong. All right? Here's what he says. For those who live according to the flesh, this is how you live according to the flesh. They set their minds on the things of the flesh. Okay? So, the reason we end up doing things according to the flesh is because we leave candy sitting on the desk that, to stare at you and to speak to you all day long. And so you have this thought, I'm going to eat the candy. And then you say, no, 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 I'm not going to eat the candy. But you keep looking at the candy and it keeps t- speaking to you. And then that thought that is a seed, because thoughts are seed, they begin to grow. And you don't even like that kind of candy, but it just keeps speaking to you until eventually that thought grows into an action and you, and you don't even know what you're doing. You're, you, you get caught. Your wife walks in your office as you're opening and sticking it in your mouth. She says, what are you doing? I, I don't know. It's the sin in me. This is what happens. It begins with the thought. Whatever you're thinking on, that's what you end up doing. So here's the good thing about that. To, to change it, if I, I want to walk according to the flesh, just think about things according to the flesh. Right? You, you, you want to struggle with pornography in your life? Just think about it for a little while. That's all you got to do. It starts with a thought. You, want, you, you, you struggle with alcohol in your life? Just think about alcohol. Just start thinking about it, and you'll be looking for a drink. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? It starts with a thought. Okay? Then he says this. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. What is he saying? If you want to live according to the Spirit, think about things of the Spirit. Change what you're thinking about. This is why Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, and he said to take all of our thoughts into captivity. Take them all in. He didn't say just take the good ones or just take the bad ones and leave the good ones. No, he said take all of your thoughts into captivity. Now you can look at them and measure them and say, okay, that's a bad one. That's flesh. Let's get that out. That's flesh. Let's get that out. That's flesh. Let's get that out. And let's leave the thoughts that are of the spirit. Let's leave the good thoughts, the healthy thoughts, the, the, the things that are good. Let's leave those and allow those to grow. Because whatever you think on, what do you allow, whatever you allow yourself to think on will grow and you will end up either walking according to the Spirit or walking according to the things of the flesh. I don't know about you, but I want to walk according to the things of the Spirit. It's one of the reasons why this 30-minute challenge is so important because it will get you thinking about the Word of God. And if you allow those thoughts to be with you throughout the day, you'll end up walking in the Spirit. The flesh is strong, but there is a solution. 
I want to give you um, three quick solutions. Uh, if you say, okay, I, I, I want to get to where I'm going. I feel like I'm stuck, Pastor, and I want to get to there. I, I may not know exactly where there is, but I want to get there. I want to get to where God has for me. I want to get to the, the plan to prosper me and not to harm me, to give you hope and a future. Number one is this. Remind yourself how far you've come. Going back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, where we began today. It, it's a reminder. We, uh, we don't think we've done much until we look back at how far we've come. You ever gone for a walk or gone for a jog and you didn't think you were getting anywhere because you were going really slow, but you looked up a little while later and you were a long way away from where you were supposed to be? Because uh, sometimes in life we feel stuck, we feel like we're not moving, even though we really are. So, so one of the first things we do is we look at where we were and where we are, where we used to be and where we are today. Uh, look at where you came from. I used to have a mullet, but now I don't. That's progress. And it also reminds you of where you're going, helps us to get refocused, reminds us of the values and the vision that we once had. Uh, You know, life tends to beat our dreams out of us, but sometimes looking back not only reminds us of where we were, but gives us a picture. Oh, yes, I wanted to do this in my life and helps us get refocused. All I've got to do when I'm struggling at the gym, to, to get to the gym, like I was telling you, is I just go through and see our mall advertisement. Uh, I don't even know where it is now, if they've moved it or not. But I go, and, they, and the picture on there, they pick, took a picture of me at Christmas. And I was about 20 pounds heavier than I am right now, and it shows in my face. And I say, you're right, I'm going to the gym tomorrow. That's it. And, all, and so it, just, it, it gives me motivation to get back on track. Remind yourself of where you were, and it will help motivate you to get on track. Number two, ask for more time. Ask for more time. Going back to the parable of the fig tree. Uh, the keeper, the, the, the gardener said, give me one more year. Just give me one more year. You know what? All you've got to do is ask of God, Lord, give me a little more time. I want to produce. I want to be what you've called me to be. I want to do what you've called me to do. I, I want to accomplish the things you've called me to accomplish. I want to understand and walk in uh, the promises that you have in my life. Give me a little more time, God. And you know what he's going to do? give you more time. He's going to give you more grace, more time. He's, he's going to give you more. All you have to do is ask. And the third thing is this, ask God to work in you. Jesus, our, our gardener said, let me dig around a little bit. Ask the Holy Spirit to work in your life, to expose the ground, to open some things up. Oh, that was buried deep inside of us. It was causing us to be stuck. But, but, but let him dig inside of you. Let him expose some areas of weakness that have been holding you back and you didn't even know it. And, and, you, and you look up a few weeks later, a few months later, and you say, Pastor Renan, I keep, I keep getting attacked in my areas of weakness. And, 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 and you say, well, did you ask God to dig around a little bit? Yes, I did, but I didn't know he was going to dig in the weak areas. Well, that's kind of the point. So what he's doing is creating opportunities for you to overcome and get stronger in those areas. Let God dig around. Let him work. Let him fertilize you. Spend some time in his presence. Spend some time in prayer. Spend some time in his word. And let him, let him fertilize you and work with you. Uh, actually do some disciplines in your life and become a disciple for Jesus. And watch how he'll cause your life to shift and begin to move forward. Unique thing about this parable, there's no conclusion in it. I read you the whole thing. There is no conclusion in it. And 
that speaks to me because for every person in this room, the final chapter isn't written yet. It's not written yet. There's not a conclusion on your life yet. Say, well, Pastor Ren and I, I still have dreams. Good. He does have them for you too. I still have plans. Good. He does too. He still wants you to get there. Pastor Ren, my marriage looks like it's at the end and we can't get out. The final chapter isn't written. Will you turn it over to God? Say, dig around a little bit. Work in my life. Do something, God. It's up to you what happens next. It's up to you. Will you produce in your life? Will you move forward? I want to um, speak to a group of people. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or anything like that. I just want to speak to your heart and to your spirit for just a moment. Sometimes we get in the place where we feel like we have no future. There's just no hope. There's nowhere to go from here. This is as good as it's going to get, and maybe it's not even good. You you feel like you fought for too long. You've struggled for too long. You just resigned to where you are. You don't have to stay stuck there. God has a future for you. He has a plan for you. One of the things I love about God, when you read that verse in a, in a different translation, he says, I'm going to give you a future with hope. Sometimes we know we have a future. We know that, you know, I'm going to be here in a few years. There's no hope with it. There's no hope of it getting better. There's no hope of change. There's no hope of that abundant life that Jesus promised. It's gone. But I, I want to speak into your spirit and your heart right now. And I want to speak words of life. Words of hope. Restore the dreams. Restore the passions of your youth. Restore the, the hopes and the plans, the ideas, the thoughts. All those things, when you look at a back at a picture of who you used to be. All those things that you felt like God wanted to do in your life, that maybe hasn't happened yet, He still wants them for you. You have a future. And it's filled with hope. <clears throat> then I want to pray for those of you that feel like you might be stuck right now. You just say, Pastor Ren, I'm just stuck. I'm, I'm kind of going through the motions and I'm, I'm wondering what it's all about right now. And I, you know, I'm just, I'm just stuck. And I, 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 it's not that I don't love Jesus and it's not that everything's bad, but I just... I need to get out of the rut. I need to, just need to get out of the rut. I just need to get, get out of the going through the motions. You know, I, I go to church on Sundays. I go home and I spend a little time with the family. I get up. I go to work Monday through Friday. I have a day off on Saturday. I mow the yard and spend a little time with the kids and go do it again and start over on Sunday morning. But I just feel like I'm stuck and my life isn't producing. I'm not moving forward. I want to pray for you today. Would you stand with me? If you're in one of those groups of people, you, you want your life to move forward, you want to produce in your life, would you slip up your hand? I want to pray for you today. Yeah. If you're watching at home, I want to pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you called us 
to produce, to move forward, to, to make a difference in the world, to live for something greater than ourselves, to be greater than we are today, to, be, to live lives that are filled with goodness and greatness and success and happiness and joy and peace and love, to live life more abundantly as your son promised to us. Father, I am believing right now for those of us that are stuck in a rut in this room or watching online, Father, you're going to help to shift us out of that. You're going to get us out of the things that have been holding us and keeping us complacent and keeping us down where we are. I'm believing for a massive uh, uh, blow of wind that gives us momentum and force in our life to push us to where you want us to go. I believe that you're moving in our lives right now. Lord, give us discipline. Give us faith. Give us power over our flesh. Let us be people who walk according to the things of the Spirit. I believe that for us right now, Lord Jesus, for every person that's stuck and, and, and is resigned. There's no hope. There's nothing left. Father, speak hope and life again. Allow them to dream again, even right now. Restore something. Build it back up, Lord God. Thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.